cute that uh, better than installing me to Dan is, is eating lunch. So <laughs> I guess in Dan's scale, I rank slightly under lunchtime. So, you know, <laughs> hope that builds over the years ahead. <laughs> it's awesome to be here with you this morning and uh, our first Sunday of the year together. We do launch our corporate fast tomorrow, and I'm really, really excited about that. But I just want to take a second to say I'm also excited about the 14th. If you desire to be water baptized, please see Miss Teresa, see Michael, see myself, and we would love to get you added onto that group for water baptisms uh, during that Sunday morning service. It's going to be tremendous. Water baptism is an essential part of your walk with the Lord, right? I would say right after salvation is baptism. And I think you see that really clearly in scripture that oftentimes people would get immediately baptized when they would get saved. Here it takes a little longer uh, because we have to fill a tank. (laughs) So we set a time uh, to do our baptism together unless you just wanna go down and and do it in the river and I have no problem with that. (laughs) I've done that as well. I actually used to love listening to stories from Sharon's grandfather. Uh, He was a Church of God minister, and he would talk about revivals that they would have, like where the Lord would break out, and they would literally go chop through the ice of a a pond or whatever there in the Midwest to do water baptisms because people wanted to get baptized right away in the revival meetings. Let me just say that, that's hardcore. (laughs) We don't have to chop through ice to do water baptism. (laughs) But this morning, I want to talk about fasting. And I know fasting is not the easiest subject to hear about. It's not the most joyful subject to enter into. Uh, But I would really love for fasting to continue to be an unbelievably integral part of our community on a yearly basis. For years now, my wife and I have started our year in some way with an extended fast. And I can't tell you how many times we've watched the Lord move. I'm good, thank you. We've watched the Lord move during that 14 or 21 days and bring answers. Part of that even came last year when during uh, our fast at the beginning of the year, the Lord spoke to me about transitioning from where I was and pursuing a head pastoring role, which eventually led me to connecting with you here. That came out of fasting. And so this morning, I want to talk about fasting. I want to lay some some simple principles down. And I'm going to give you a lot of scripture. Let me just say up front, I have no desire to rush through this. So I'm hoping you take notes And you can put it down on paper to go back and reflect on it later. Because as much as I don't desire to rush, I also don't desire to keep you here until 2 or 3 this afternoon. (laughs) I want to get you out at a decent time uh, so that you can go and see who's going to be in the playoffs for the NFL. So, you know. (laughs) My team's already secured their spot, so I'm good. (laughs) But genuinely, um, I want to lay out that foundation for you. And so to begin that, we have to understand, right, the Bible wasn't written in English. It was originally written in Hebrew and Greek, right? The original Testament was written in Hebrew. The New Testament was written in Greek. 
And so to start off, before we even dive into Scripture, I want to give you an understanding of what they were saying in the original Testament and in the New Testament when they used the word fast or fasting, right? And so in Hebrew, the word for fasting, and I'm going to butcher this if you're a Hebrew scholar, grace, grace, right? The word for fasting in Hebrew is nestuo, right? Nestuo means to abstain from something. To abstain from something, right? In the Greek language, the word for fasting means, right? I'm sorry, in the Greek language, it means to abstain from. In the Hebrew, it means to cover your mouth. In the Hebrew, it means to cover your mouth. In the Greek, it means to abstain from, right? And so it's important to know that, right? Because there's two differences there, right? To abstain from something or to cover your mouth, right? Because you can abstain from a thing that you don't eat, right? Like during our corporate fast, I hope the Lord leads some of you to abstain from social media, to abstain from TV shows or, or movies or different things like that, that you might not be building up your spirit, right? So you're abstaining from those things, but then you're also, for some of you, covering your mouth, right? And that one's the harder one to me, right? I love sweets. I also love coffee. And so for me, as when the Lord leads me into fasting, it oftentimes means, right, abstaining from one of those things I love, um, like, it's, it's like this, in all honesty with you, church family, just so you get to know me. God, my wife, my daughters, and a really good cup of coffee, right? And on a day-to-day basis, it's not in that order, right? Sometimes the coffee creeps up the list before, before other things. And, and so oftentimes when I enter into my fast, uh, the Lord may lead me to abstain from coffee, to cover my mouth from, from drinking coffee. And a number of years ago, uh, my wife and I laugh about this all the time. The Lord led me to cover my mouth when it came to coffee, to to abstain from coffee. And I I literally went right up to Sunday night, like normal feral, which is like multiple cups of coffee a day. That's normal. And then on Monday, I was cold turkey, right? I was like, coffee is out, I'm fasting. Well, by Tuesday morning in our staff meeting, I was worthless, right? Like the pounding and grinding headache that was happening between my ears, right? The like desire in my body to have coffee again was exponential. So much so that the pastor that I worked with literally looked at me in that staff meeting and said, you aren't accomplishing anything. Go home. You look miserable, And I said, it's because I'm I'm abstaining from coffee. And he was like, okay, we're good. Go home, right? I went home and was like laying in the couch grumbling to my wife about coffee and how much I loved it. And she was like, you know, you're addicted. This is over the top. This is terrible. And I sat up to defend myself about my love of coffee. And I didn't defend myself. I actually sat up and then just threw up all over myself because my headache was so terrible. And my wife looked at me and she goes, you're cleaning that up. That's not on me, that's on you. (laughs) Right? Like there is a time in our lives when 
we enter into a fast and it comes with a cost. It comes with a cost. But we have to know when we enter into that, that cost is worth it. That cost is worth it. And so this morning, I want to walk through Scripture and show you five individual types of fasting that I believe the Lord shows us in Scripture that are different ways, as a part of our community, you can enter into this fast with us. Number one is the partial fast. You see the partial fast in the original Testament, right, in the book of Leviticus. In Leviticus 23 and verse 32, the Lord says, right, from sundown to sundown, fast. From sundown to sundown, I'm calling you to a fast. I call that a partial fast because you can eat dinner, but then you don't eat anything, right, after the sun goes down, right? For some of you, it would mean setting up and adjusting the way that you do meals in your home to be able to have a single meal and then enter into your fast, right, at sundown, and then go to sundown the next day, and then you have dinner, right? That's a partial fast. And what you fast in that time frame is between you and the Lord. For, for over a decade now, I've done a simple partial fast. On any Sunday morning that I sp I'm speaking or preaching, I don't eat anything before I minister. It's something the Lord asked me to do years ago as a, like a sign that like when I'm ministering and my stomach is grumbling, I realize the word the Lord has given me is of greater value than feeding my stomach. And so it's something that I entered into years ago and I've continued with the Lord, a partial fast. Second is a Daniel fast. And a lot of you have heard about the Daniel fast over the years. The Daniel fast you can find in Daniel chapter 1, verses 10 through 13, and in Daniel chapter 10, verses 2 and 3. In Daniel chapter 1, Daniel says, right, to the man that's in charge of them, give us nothing but vegetables and water, and test us, and see if God's not with us. Right, so Daniel only consumed vegetables and water. In Daniel chapter 10, it says, I, Daniel, ate no choice foods, right? If you look that up, those things, right, that would fall under choice foods was meats, sweets, anything that was considered a delicacy or something worthy of like a king or someone of authority, right? So you see there also that Daniel's not eating meats. He's not eating sweets, right? He's abstaining from those things, vegetables and water, right? That's a Daniel fast, for some of you, that may be a simple way for you to enter into fasting for a couple of days, right? To just do vegetables and water, right? My wife and I, in seasons of fasting, we often juice. Uh, we'll juice carrots and, and beets and radish and different things like that um, to put some measure of sustenance in us while we're committing that time to the Lord. Third, the third type of fasting is a liquid fast. A liquid fast right? In Scripture, it's just water. Just water, right? You see this in Jesus himself. In 40 days in the desert, it says he ate nothing. He ate nothing. He only drank water for 40 days. Now, here's the thing. If you've never fasted before, don't jump into a 40-day water fast, right? Because there's a solid chance you will have difficulty achieving 40 days on just water. You may have a medical condition, 
that, that keeps uh, you from being able to do an extended fast like that. Your fast is between you and God. You're not answering to me. You're not answering to anyone else in this house of believers. You're answering to the Lord on what you give up. I've done a couple of 40-day fasts in my life. They are not easy. They're not easy. And you have to, at times, prepare yourself to go into a fast of that measure. Now, in doing a liquid fast, in the 21 days that we're corporately fasting, starting tomorrow and ending on the 28th, with our installation service, you can do a water day, or a water for a couple of days in the midst of that 21 days, right? You can incorporate that along with other things, right? As you're going through these days, build yourself up into a couple of days that really stretches your faith, right? To like really lay hold of something for the Lord. And listen, as you're doing this, right? Set those desires, set those marks out there with the Lord. Let him know where you are in your fast, and why you're fasting, right? And so that third one there is that liquid fast. The fourth one is the most difficult fast of all. It's a total fast. You see this in the book of Esther. In Esther chapter four, verses 15 and 16, right? Mordecai calls Esther to eat and drink nothing. Eat and drink nothing. That is the most difficult type of fast. I've done this one time in my life, pursuing a major breakthrough. I didn't eat or drink anything for three days. By the end of the third day, just putting together solid thought is difficult because you can't go beyond three days without doing damage to your body, not giving it water. So three days, which you see there in the book of Esther, is the cap for a total fast. Right? This may be something the Lord speaks to you about doing for a single day. Right? And let me just tell you, if you are fasting, involve your family. Right? Let your, if you have children, let your kids know why you're fasting and what you're fasting so that they understand that there may be adjustment to family meals. There may be adjustment to the way that you shop over the next 21 days. Because if you're fasting sweets, I'm willing to bet you're not just going to keep packs of Oreos and Chips Ahoy and stuff like that on the shelf in the house, right? Like, you're probably not going to stockpile your home with sweets for everyone else to eat in front of you while you fast, Right? It's easier to at least incorporate your family in a way that they understand what you're doing so that they can be a part even though they may not be doing the same thing. Right, Like our daughter, our oldest daughter, is doing a partial fast with Sharon and I in the midst of our fasting, and she asked this year to be involved. And we talked with her and planned what she wants to fast in the midst of of our family fast and in the midst of our community's fast together, right? So you have that fourth fast, that total fast. And then you have a fifth one. And this to me is not directly found in scripture, but I absolutely believe it's crucial for us today as believers. And that is a media or entertainment fast, right? Psalm 101 verses two and three says, I'll set no evil thing before my eyes right? That's the simplicity of David in scripture saying to the Lord, I'm not going to look on an evil thing. Listen, we live in a day and age where we have constant media in our life. We have constant entertainment, whether it's our phone, 
music in our vehicle, the TV playing in the background when we're not even watching it. Sometimes we're on our phone with the TV playing and music going, right? <laughs> like, there's just, like there's just times where we're inundated with the media. We're inundated with entertainment. And let me just tell you, right, all of that stuff comes from the world, right? The large majority of it comes from the world, unless you're watching, you know, just like the Up Channel or, or, or the Faith Network or, or the Dove Network or TBN or something like that. The majority of what you're watching comes from the world. And the Bible tells us in John, right, 1 John 5, the whole world is under the control of the evil one, right? And so anything Satan can get you to, to entertain, he will eventually get you to accept, and anything he can get you to accept, he'll eventually get you to endorse. And we see that right now in the church all over America. They entertained the idea of things that were unbiblical. Then they accepted them. Now they're endorsing them and ordaining them in the houses of God. Right? We believe the fullness of Scripture. And so in standing on the fullness of Scripture, there are times when we have to shut out other voices. And let me just challenge you, later this year, as we draw near to one of our most major elections that we've ever had, you should probably shut out a lot of those voices. You don't need the world to tell you who to vote for in November. You need the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords to tell you who to vote for in November. And I mean this with all love from my heart. The GOP is not greater to me than the GOD. It's not. In any way, I follow the Lord when I walk into that ballot box, right? But to get to that place, sometimes you got to shut those voices out, right? Both locally and nationally, right? Because we want leaders that are going to lead our nation to the most moral and most biblical way. We don't get that by following what they tell us they're going to do in a commercial, we get that by following the heart of God and as believers, only aligning ourselves with that which aligns itself with Scripture. And sometimes the best way to get there is by shutting out all of those other voices. Because in the midst of your fasting, what you have to remember, right, is prayer is the hand with which you lay hold of heaven and fasting is the hand with which you let go of what you can see. That's really what it is. Right, Because you're letting go of food, you're letting go of drink, you're letting go of entertainment, you're letting go of these lesser things to lay hold in your prayer time of more of the Lord. And so as you're deciding your fast, let me say this, right? If you feel like the Lord's speaking to you about fasting and you're like, oh, I want to fast, I want to do this, I'm going to fast uh, lima beans and green tea. If you don't already eat lima beans and drink green tea, that's not fasting, right? Because those aren't a part of your life regularly, right? That's just living life. If you don't normally eat lunch, then you're not fasting lunch. You're just skipping lunch because you're too busy to stop and eat. That's not fasting. Fasting is choosing to abstain, choosing to cover your mouth from something in a time that you would have otherwise given in to that thing. And it's important for us to remember that, right? So why fast? That's a big question some people ask me that I hear all the time. Why fast? 
Well, I want to show you a scripture in just a second that I find really, really tremendously unique, right? Because oftentimes when we think of Sodom and Gomorrah, right, we think of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the lasciviousness of those cities, and that, that's why God destroyed them, right? Because of the rampant, inappropriate sexuality and all of that kind of stuff. Well, I actually want to show you from scripture that that's not just the reason that God destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. There were actually other reasons. Right, Ezekiel chapter 16, verses 49 and 50 says this. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and the needy. They were haughty and did detestable things before me. Therefore, I did away with them, as you have seen. Arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. Right? Let that sink in for a second. Because most of us in this room have no lack of food in our day-to-day -day life. At times, we probably actually have too much. Right? In all truth and honesty, even scientifically, the obesity rate in our nation is way higher than it should be. Why? Because we have regular access to foods that we consume that are not even good for us. And the outflow of that at times leads us to make God something that is not our king on a throne, but something that's in here. And the Apostle Paul talked about that in Philippians. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, Paul said, For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again with tears, many live as enemies of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things. Their God is their stomach, and their mind is set on earthly things. Right? I don't want my stomach to be my God. I want the King of kings and the Lord of lords to be my God. And so I choose at times to abstain and show the Lord that I am abstaining and that he is my God by setting aside the things that I love and the things that even the Lord has made, right? God created the coffee bean, and I'm so thankful to him for it. But there are times when I want the Lord more than I want coffee. I want the Lord more than I want sweets. I want the Lord more than I want this particular meal. And so I let go of those things to lay hold of the Lord. And over the years, like, there have been times I shared in October with you all during the faith story about the Lord healing my body of a testosterone deficiency. It was during my 21-day fast that year when I was sitting in the sanctuary of our church by myself one afternoon, just spending time with the Lord in Jacksonville. We had an amazing prophetess from Jamaica that was a part of our fellowship. She rolled through the doors and came and sat down right beside me. And she said, hold my hand and let's pray together. And I knew, I was like, I'm in trouble. <laughs> because she was that kind of woman that like when she spoke, I paid attention. And I took Mama Mo's hand and we began to pray together. And I immediately started weeping. I could feel the presence of the Lord. And she said to me, the Lord wants you to know that he is healing your body. He's touching you, but it will not come 
and confirmation from a doctor before it comes with a move from God on high. You have to trust the Lord. And I knew immediately what that meant. At that time, I had synthetic testosterone that I used on an ongoing basis because my levels of testosterone naturally were lower than a postmenopausal woman in a male body in my 30s. And when she shared that with me, I knew the Lord was calling me to set aside my testosterone and trust him. And I did that. Coming out of that fast, I did that. And I did not see the immediate answer from the Lord. I actually got worse. I went back to my endocrinologist and she was like, you're at the lowest level you've been as my patient. Why did you stop? And I said, I've heard from God. Like he's answered the desire of my heart. And she was like, I'm not gonna argue with you because she was a believer. She was a Christian. She said, I'm not gonna argue with you about that, but here's a prescription. Anytime you wanna refill it, it's available. I went for months. There even came a point where Sharon was like, babe, are you sure you've heard the Lord? Because I was, my natural body church family was miserable. Miserable. And then in April, all of February, all of March, half of April, in April, one day at a friend's farm and a cattle ranch just outside the city, I was laying in the field crying because of how miserable I felt when I felt the presence of the Lord show up and heal my body. And I got up from that field and have gone back time and time again and had blood tests done and my levels are right where they should be for a man of the age I am. The Lord showed up. He didn't do it through doctors. He did it on his own divine power. But also, in the midst of it, I didn't see it right away. I went all the way through that fast and then through months after that fast before I saw the Lord bring the answer. But the Lord gave me the confirmation that he was going to do it in that fast. And I held on to that because she did not know in the natural what I was doing. My wife and I had not made it public in our community that I was using testosterone. So she had no knowledge of what was going on in my life. When she delivered that word to me, it was a word from the Lord. And listen, we see that in Scripture. Right? In the book of Isaiah, the Lord talks about fasting. Right? In Isaiah 58, it literally has a segment of it that's dedicated to fasting. In Isaiah 58, in verse 2, it says this. For day after day they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. Let me just pause right there. That sounds a lot like America right now. Right? Continuing on, they ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. In verse 3, why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting, you do as you please and exploit your workers. Verse 4, Your fasting ends with quarreling and strife and striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I've chosen? Only a day for people to humble themselves? Is it only for the bowing of one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ash? Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Now, I love this. The next three verses are amazing. 
Verse 6, is not this the kind of fast I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your food with the hungry and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter when you see the naked to clothe them and not turn away from your own flesh and blood? Then your light will break forth like the dawn. Your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you and the glory of God will be your rear guard. Then you will call and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help and he will say, here am I. That's the power of fasting, right? But here's the thing, church family. You can't fast and then continue to freak out in traffic when someone cuts you off because you got a headache because you gave up coffee. Right? You can't fast and look at the homeless person standing on the street in need and look down on them because they were there two weeks ago when you drove by. That's not the kind of fasting the Lord's called for. The kind of fasting the Lord's called for is while you're giving up the things you desire, you are continuing to bless the community around you in a normal way. You're continuing to live a Christ-like lifestyle. Because it will not be easy, I promise. You start giving up sugar, your body is going to panic. If you're like me when you give up coffee, your body is going to panic. And you will want to be short-tempered with your kids when they're at the same tone of voice they've been at every day of their life. But somehow to you it sounds three octaves higher. When you and your spouse are going over really important things for your family this year and things that wouldn't have bothered you before now are like nails on a chalkboard to you because you're fasting. You can't fast and continue quarreling and strife. You can't fast and allow those things to continue on. No, 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 no. You fast and you set those things aside. You fast and you see the Lord break out. Suddenly healing is yours. Suddenly the Lord is going behind you. Suddenly the Lord's saying, here am I. Right? And what's so amazing is actually scripture tells us that. Right? Jesus himself said that about fasting. In Matthew chapter 6, Matthew chapter 6 says, and when you fast, when, not if, when, notice that first, when you fast, don't look somber like the hypocrites do. For they disfigure their faces to show others they're fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. You see that right there? Two things. Number one, if you have to look miserable to be considered spiritual, something's wrong with your spirituality, right? That's what he says right there. He says, don't be like the hypocrites. Don't go around like, uh, right? Don't come in next Sunday, and, and as everyone's like, how are you? Oh, I'm good, I'm here, but oh, it's been a super tough week. Oh. <laughs> like, come on, right? Because everyone's gonna be like, oh yeah, it's the corporate fast. That's why they're grumpy, <laughs> you know? 
Continue to take care of yourself. Continue, right, to do what you normally do. But then there's the second thing I love that Jesus said there, and that is this. When you fast, there's a heavenly reward, right? Jesus said that in verse 18. And your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you, right? What's the, what's the reward of God that comes with fasting? What does that look like, right? What, what does that, like, like that's, that's what I want in my life. That's why my wife and I, over the years, have chosen to do our fast to begin our year. Because I look ahead at 2024, and this year I look at relocating my family. This year I look at my daughter starting a new school. This year I look at the fact that I may have to sell my wife and I's dream home now in Jacksonville to buy and find our dream home here. And as it stands, the market is not better for making a choice like that. But nonetheless, the moment the Lord speaks and brings that heavenly reward, it surpasses anything this world can do. Time and time again, we've seen the hand of the Lord move in ways that we looked back on and were shocked at what the Lord had done. That home that we have in Jacksonville was literally a gift from the Lord to us in an unbelievable way. And now we've been able to move other pastors into that home for it to be a blessing to them. They were posting the other day on social media, cooking out in, in the backyard of that home, and my heart like leapt with joy to know that they were using that home in a way to be a blessing to other people the way it was a blessing to us. And I look forward to this year, and I think to myself, Lord, there are things I need. I need this year for my daughters to fall in love with this community and their school in a way that this is home to them. And they don't long for the thing they've left behind. They long for the thing they're a part of now. I need clarity from the Lord on where he's calling us to go as a community for the next decade and score of years together. And so I need that. And I know if I seek the Lord in prayer, I know if I choose to fast, the Lord will answer because he says in scripture that he will. In both the original Testament and the New Testament, he makes it clear that he will move and answer. Because fasting is really just focused feasting. That's what it is. Fasting is focused feasting. You're feasting on the presence of God. So as a family, as a single person, if you're giving up certain things, don't just give those things up, but take in more of the Lord. Increase worship music. Increase the time you're reading scripture, right? Increase podcasting tremendous Christian voices, right? And, and learning and growing in your fasting to replace that mealtime, to replace what you would have been doing in that space and in that time. Incorporate more of God to come in in place of all the things that you're letting go of. That's why I'm going to be here tomorrow morning from 8 to 9. This sanctuary will be open. Any of you that desire to come can join me to start our corporate fast together in prayer tomorrow. The doors will be open here. I'll be in here studying and praying from 8 to 9. Join, come and join me. No pressure, but if you can, I'd love to have you. We're going to take Wednesday nights in the next three weeks, and we're going to turn them into corporate prayer time. We'll lay hands on the sick and believe for healing. 
We'll stand with you for breakthrough in a family situation or a job situation. But we're going to shift Wednesday nights away from just study and growth into a corporate pursuit of God. We're going to continue Friday nights. If you were here with us on Friday night, the presence of the Lord was awesome in this place. It was real good. And I believe that was just to put a little fuel on our fire for prayer going into our 21 days. Because I believe the Lord will continue to be good to us in the midst of this corporate fast. And that's why my wife and I set our installation at the end of our corporate fast. Because you'll see in scripture next week when I share with you about it. In the book of Acts, when they set apart the leaders to go out and do the ministry, it says, and when they were fasting, they anointed them and set them apart for ministry. And when they finished the fast, they went out and ministered. So we specifically set the 28th as the time for us to be installed as your new pastors as a part of our corporate fast because we believe it aligns with Scripture. But if you're asking the Lord, like, Lord, what, what, are, you, uh, what are you calling me to in fasting, right? Here's a handful of reasons people fasted in Scripture, right? To overcome conflict, right? You have issues in your family, issues in your marriage? Try fasting. For deliverance, Right, you're battling an addiction. You need the Lord to bring breakthrough. Try fasting. For guidance, you need God to speak to you about a transition or a, a job change or something like that this year. Try fasting. To strengthen their prayer life, to repent of sin, to increase humility, to counter public calamity. We don't want this nation to fall into chaos in November. Try fasting. To counter sickness. All of these were reasons in Scripture that people fasted. And I believe everyone in this room has one of these areas as well in your life or in your family that you could step into and begin to incorporate fasting. Matt, if you could come up to the keys for me. For years, my wife and I ministered at a friend of ours church in Kentucky. It was a spirit-filled Baptist church, loved the leadership team there. But I heard one of the most amazing testimonies about the power of God moving during fasting that I'd ever heard. Because you see, not only is fasting spiritual, fasting is also scientific, right? If, if you look in the news lately, fasting is like a trend right now that like, you know, athletes and, and movie stars and different people are fasting, right? They're choosing intermediate fasting to like lose, you know, different things with body weight or to increase testosterone or do different things like that the world has caught on to fasting. But as I was there at that church ministering, one of their elders came to me and he said, I just want to share this amazing testimony of God with you. And he said, earlier in the year, the, the Lord was speaking to me. And he said, I had gone to my doctor and found out my body was suffering from lead poisoning. And he said it was affecting me in a number of different areas. He was a professional painter and he said it was from all the years of scraping old paint off the walls of these homes, not wearing a mask and not protecting myself. And he said, the doctors had told me, you're going to need to be on all these different prescriptions for the rest of your life because of this. And he said, I went before the Lord and I was like, Lord, I don't want to live the rest of my life on drugs. I don't want to have the outflow of this lead poisoning break me down. And he said, the Lord called me into a 40-day water fast. And he said, Pastor Farrell, I was still working 
40 to 50 hours a week painting homes. He's like, it's difficult work. He's like, it is strenuous labor. And to only do that consuming water, he was like, I got four, five, six days into it. And he was like, I was miserable. He said, I got a week into it and I didn't think I was going to make it. He said, I got two weeks in. And he said, I would sit on the stairs of a home and be like, Lord, there has to be another way. There has to be something else that you're saying. And the Lord would just say to me, keep going. Keep going. And he said, I got to the 31st day. And he said, I was working in this home. And he said, I looked down at my arms as I was rolling paint on the walls. And he said, I saw colors on my skin that I didn't understand. And he said, I later realized I was sweating out all of those toxins my body had absorbed. And he said, my sweat, he's like, it was not normal. He said, I had a weird odor. He said, I went through all these things. He goes, but by the time I got to the 40th day, he said, I went back to the doctor that week and found out there was no lead poisoning in my body anymore. He said, the Lord had completely healed me and completely restored my body in the midst of that fast. And he said, whether it was naturally abstaining from all of those things that were in food that may have been allowing that stuff to stay in my body or whether it was God's divine touch, I don't know. He goes, but what I do know is I went into my fast and my doctors in the world were telling me one thing and I came out of my fast and God had told me something else. And so I want to tell you, your fast is between you and the Lord. Right, I'm not going to ask you, and there is zero judgment from me. And among this family of God, let me say, hopefully there's zero judgment from any of us towards one another, even spouses and direct family members. Right, The Lord may not call you to an all-water fast. He may not call you to a total fast. He may ask you to do a partial fast or a Daniel fast. Whatever the scale of fasting is the Lord's called you to, let me say to you, go into it with all of your heart. Go into it with a hunger to encounter God in a fresh way. Go into it with a passion to hear from the Lord in what he's saying to you, to us, and to our nation. And as you do that, at times it will be difficult. At times you will want to give up. Right? Scripture tells us Jesus was hungry in his fast. Which is why when Satan showed up to tempt him, Right? There could have been success, but Jesus stayed the course. Right? You're going to enter into a fast and you're going to say, I'm not going to do sweets in this fast. And you're going to have someone randomly show up at your house with pie. It's going to happen. No one's ever shown up at your house with pie. You start fasting, someone will show up with pie. Temptation will come knocking on your door. I promise. Right? No one buys me coffee. If I decide to start fasting coffee, someone's going to ask me to meet them, another pastor in town, or someone's going to say, let's meet in the coffee shop and fellowship together, and I'm going to be like, oh Lord, this is not easy. But it's worth it. It's worth it. Right? Because that's what we're entering into. We're entering into a season of letting go so we can lay hold. And I want our community to lay hold of what we need individually and what we need corporately. Amen? Awesome. Let me have everyone stand with me this morning. I want to bless you before we release. This is what I would love right now. If you would in this place, just hold your hands out. 
right? Some of you may not yet have heard from the Lord about what he's speaking to you for your fast. But I'm gonna ask right now that the Lord would speak and would make it clear both what to fast and why. Because fasting without purpose is just skipping meals. There needs to be purpose in it. So Lord, I pray over this community, even myself on a greater scale, that today you would speak to each and every one of us. That we would hear from you on what to fast and why we are fasting it. That for singles, for married couples, for whole families, Lord, you would speak to the authority of every one of those homes and you would confirm it through their spouses, through loved ones, through siblings and those around them, Lord, that there would be joy in our fast. That as we shift Wednesday nights to prayer, there would be joy in our unity together. To know that in the midweek, we're going to reunite and lift each other up and cheer each other on. That on Monday mornings to start each week, that we would know that even if we can't make it, there are others here in this place, Lord, praying for breakthrough and success and strength in our corporate fast. That, Lord, as we do this, we are stronger together. And so speak today to each and every one. Lord, may none leave this place having not heard from you about what and why. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for all you are in us, to us, and through us. Give us an amazing week, our first corporate week of fasting. Be with each and every one both those here and those that aren't here this morning that are watching online, Lord. Touch them in their homes. Give them wisdom and clarity that they would know what you're calling them to. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Please, don't forget, if you have a desire to be baptized or someone in your family,